thank you, Paul and Leslie, and good to see all of you here today on a beautiful summer day. Summer, where did it go? It's leaving us. It's leaving us. So what do you guys think we're going to talk about today? <laughs> you're, you're, guess, you're guessing in Matthew, all right. Anybody else want to guess? Revelation. Maybe. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. For everything there's a season. Well, we're going to talk about season, maybe. We're going to talk about the season of truth. If there was ever a time we need truth, it's maybe in 2020, huh? <laughs> we were, uh, last week we talked about storms of life and uh, certainly looked at the impact that Jesus Christ had within not only the, the lives of those disciples, as they found themselves engaged in a monstrous storm, really a monstrous storm, but, and you, and, and we as well, there's not a person in this room that hasn't went through a storm. That's the way it is. That's life. It's called reality. And uh, 2020 is bringing some serious storms to the world, isn't it? It's crazy. In fact, it's upside down. It doesn't even, at times, you just, uh, I would have to say this, uh, January 1st, say, January 1st, 2020, if you were going to ask me to tell you what would have taken place in the next six months, and we're already into August already, I mean, it just goes zoom, I would not have even been able to get close to telling you what's taken place. I, I wouldn't have even believed it if you would have told me what would have taken place. But if there's ever a time and a season for the truth, it's in the world we find ourselves living today. Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to John. John is in between Matthew and Revelation, so you guys were just about right. John chapter 18, and uh, a passage of Scripture revolves around Jesus Christ's life uh, toward the very end of it physically, but a time that we understand something that uh, I think it was interesting. Uh, well, let's read it, and then we'll, we'll focus in on it. John chapter 18, we'll begin reading at verse 28. John 18, uh, verse 28. As he's appeared, as you're getting there to your Bibles, uh, this is literally the fourth trial that Jesus has endured since, in fact, uh, the Last Supper, the time that they were together, he and his disciples intimately, would have been literally just hours before. Just hours before. And, and now at this point we find him already on his fourth of six trials that ultimately would, would bring his hanging on a cross in the crucifixion. And here we are in the first one of the Gentile uh, trials. We find it in verse... 28, chapter 18 of John. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas. Now, Caiaphas was the high priest, and he'd already been, he had met with, uh, illegally, by, my, by what I might say, between Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And that was his second trial. And then the third one would have been just underway, and the Sanhedrin had condemned him to death. So now they take him to Pilate, because Pilate is the one from the Romans that would have given the authority to kill him. So here we go. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, we would not have delivered him up unto him. In other words, if he wasn't a criminal, I wouldn't have delivered him up to you. Then said Pilate unto them, Take you him and judge him according to your law. 
Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he should die. I want Just remember that for a second, that, the verse 32. Did you, did you see that? Just hang on. To, we'll come back to it because it's very important in the sense of truth. Then Pilate, verse 33, entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus, said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. May God add a special blessing to reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, it is with a great deal of anticipation and thankfulness that we have this chance to be in this place, to be studying the word of God, the truth. As it's been declared, thy word is truth. Even Jesus said that in John 17, 17. Thank you, Father, for those that have gathered today. We'd ask that you would bless them and their families. But, Father, for these moments, we ask that we would be open and receptive to all of that you want to teach us, all that you want us to, to gain and to hold. And what we need to change in our lives to be more like Jesus Christ. We thank you for the word. We thank you for what you're going to be doing today. We would ask that the Holy Spirit would be exclusively our teacher today. And Father, that the word would come alive, be vibrant and on fire. Father, we would receive all that you'd want us to receive. Relationally, we will have never been closer to you than we are in these moments. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish. We, again, lift up your name and glorify you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Interesting thing. Now, we don't know at all in what light, shall we say, was it critically, was it cynical, was it truthful, was it... No one really knows, but as Pilate, a Gentile, a non-Christian, someone that certainly didn't know anything about Jesus Christ, other than what he may have heard. But he was, at least from his perspective, he was placing Jesus Christ on trial that day. If he only knew. <laughs> that one that he was looking into the eyes and says, in whatever light, I'm not sure, what is truth? Or did he say, huh, what is truth? Jesus had talked about truth. How many have you heard put that way today? What is truth? Truth? What's that? I hear it all the time in lifestyles. I hear it because of the our world, and we've talked about this sometimes, many times actually, in the sense of absolute truth. That is that there's truth for all people in all places for all time. And there is. There has to be. Just think of our minds itself. If your mind couldn't be sure of anything, that would drive me crazy. Wouldn't it? So we're designed. How about not knowing if anybody would ever be on time? Oh, that happens, doesn't it? 
there's, I won't get into that. I was, I was going to tell a, I was going to tell a, uh, no, that one's just, that's, it's someone else. I'll have to wait. At, at any rate, but we, you just think about the things that, if there wasn't anything to be so, how would we know anything was so? Our world right now is in an era that we would call postmodernism. Postmodernism. And it seems when you try to take that word and it's like, what does that mean? Exactly. No one can really tell you. If you look for a definition of postmodernism, nobody can really tell you. Because it's that weird. <laughs> now, postmodernism actually hit us probably in the 1950s or 60s, potentially. And from that point going forward, we're still living within that era, if you will. Postmodernism. I'm going to give you a definition that I found, and then we'll talk about it a little bit further. Postmodernism is it's marked by a tendency to dismiss the possibility of any sure and settled knowledge of truth. Let me say it one more time. Because you're sitting there and, what? <laughs> Postmodernism is marked by a tendency to dismiss the possibility of any sure and settled knowledge of the truth. Is, is that why, does, doesn't that sound exactly what's going on? Have you ever seen such a mess? Never. One group will say something, and then another group can say something totally different, and they'll both say it's truth. Well, that's one thing we know about truth. Write this down. Truth cannot contradict itself. A woman cannot be pregnant and not pregnant at the same time. There's a woman or two that might have tried, that wouldn't like to try that, because there's times in which... But, but isn't it true? You can't be contradictory. It can't be self-contradictory. Said another way, postmodernism, if objective truth does exist, it cannot be known objectively. Exactly. I see. There's, there's what? Exactly. That's what postmodernism really is, that you can't even have a pursuit of truth. That's what you might ask them, because they're in a dilemma. Actually, they're in a dilemma, because if that's true, then there's at least one truth that what they said was true, even though they said there's nothing true. You see it? It's just a circling disease of going nowhere. And you know what? It's everywhere. It's pervasive in our society today, isn't it? Uh, I'm wondering, well, I'm not wondering. I know that the fact, look at where our suicide rates are. Look where our younger generations are, <coughs> seeking and looking and wondering. And where's, where's this hopelessness that is coming? You show me someone that has nothing to base a life on, to have no foundation of truth. It's dismal. It's dismal. Postmodernism. But that's where we find ourselves entrenched today. There's all kinds of things going on in today, from, from lawlessness to anarchy to... Black lives, you can name all of these things, and it's amazing how they'll all say that they're true, but it's impossible for them all to be true. And actually, you say, well, postmodernism, post meaning after, modernism was really for us as a nation, probably started in the late 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, and carried on into the 1960s. And what we tried to do under that era was literally to have 
truth, ready, without God. That doesn't work out. So now the next thing we want to do is forget about God, but let's forget about truth. So we have no truth and no God. Oh. Now God has something to say about that. Let's go to Romans for a moment. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. But before you do that, you, if you're there right now, just stick your finger in there. And let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Some have said that the Bible is just not relevant. It was written so long ago, it doesn't really make any sense for us today. Well, let's see if we can read this and find out what you think. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll, look at, we'll start in verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. Now, this is uh, Paul's letter to his, his, that Timothy, the one he was mentoring, the one he was preparing for the ministry. And this is the last letter that he wrote prior to his martyrdom. He lost his life to one of the Roman emperors. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we living in perilous times? You be the judge. Verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's a check. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen a narcissistic society as which we find ourselves in today? I have never seen anything like it. But let's keep going. Covetous. Check. Boasters. Check. Proud. In fact, if you miss boasters, there's proud just to make sure you didn't miss boasters. Check. Blasphemers. Check. Disobedient to parents. Check. Unthankful. Super check. Unholy. Check. Without natural affection. Check. Truce breakers. Check. False accusers. Shall we, shall we keep checking these? Yeah. yeah, we keep checking them. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Dis did you see that? Despisers of those that are good. Now, that's been going on a long time. Do you remember Cain and Abel? The first murder that ever took place on this planet. And you know what? Cain didn't need a gun. It's not a gun problem. It's a heart problem. Is that not true? Despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. That depicts pretty well where we're at today. Now, let's go back to Romans for a moment. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Uh, Paul has a lot to say about this. Romans chapter 1. We're, we're going to dial in and for your own reading tonight. Oh, by the way, do you guys, did you guys, how'd you guys do on your assignment last week? If you weren't here last week, uh, don't worry about it. But um, does anyone remember what the assignment was from last week? Ooh, I see somebody ducking their heads. What are we going to do? What are we going to read? Philippians 4 and verses... I got different answers there, but it's chapter 4. How many by... Is this too... Let's go for it. How many have followed the assignment? Let's just say it's a dismal showing. Let's say it that way. But it was for those of you that did, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to put something on your plate for this week. Romans chapter 1, and read verses 18 through the end of that chapter. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Today, we're just going to dial into a couple of verses that Paul, I'm sorry, that, yes, that Paul gave to us. One of the things that we want to point out as well is that the nature, you just look at creation. I, I'm, again, I was, uh, it has been a couple weeks ago now, but we were up at Bell Lake, which is just on the other side of the of the mountain, 
and it's a, it's a place that a ranch that we lease has irrigation water out of it. And it was quite a ride. Logan and I went together, and it was, it, well, we were at 8,800 feet. So we were, you know, we were over, we sort of drove. Um, we found out that the low range and the side-by-side -side was not working. So guess who got out when we stopped? Have you, have you ever went up a really steep hill and you stop momentum? That's not good. So me being the bigger one, <laughs> stepped out and began to push. And we got it going again, and away we went, right? So I was the low range in the side-by-side. -side. But we get up there, and it was, it was one of those grandiose days to watch and look at all of God's spectacular creation. His creation smacks of a God that is sovereign, omniscient, and awesome in every way, shape, or form. Now watch what even Paul says in Romans chapter 1, and let's look at verse 20. It says in verse 20, chapter 1, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Creation speaks loudly, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. If you look at creation and you just get a sense, and I love the smells and, the, and to just listen when I'm in the midst of all of this grandiose creation, you know what it talks to me? It talks to me of the supreme God. It just, there's so much design. And, and unfortunately, evolutionists think that if you add enough time, in other words, if you're not sure that's enough time, let's add a couple more billion years because a couple more billion years will help things be designed. No, time does not equal design. If you doubt that, I've got a shop that has had a lot of time in and of all by itself. It does not clean itself. It does not become more organized. It does not... <coughs> right, Kurt? <laughs> time is totally outside of design. God is in design. There has to be a designer. Anyone that takes our creation seriously must come to the conclusion there was an intellect that was far superior to what's been designed. You can't come to any other conclusion. Now, you may deny that, but here's, here's something about truth. Let's tie it together. Truth does not become untruth because we don't believe it. Mark that. In other words, let's take the flip side. If I believe in something, and we sincerely believe in something, nor does that make that truth. Well, I sincerely believe that. Well, good for you, but that doesn't make it truth. Just as it is to deny truth does not make it less than truth. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1, or you're already there. You're still staying there waiting for me to move on. I apologize. Verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's something that is very, it's very strong, but it's very clear. Uh, what he's basically saying is truth cannot be separated from God. Let me say that again. Truth cannot be separated from God. If you try that, Welcome to a life of chaos, nonsense, hopelessness, and every other imaginable thing that can come your way. Truth cannot exist with God, without God. Now, let's go on. Let's go down to verse 28. I'm going to leave some of this chapter for, the, for you to be uh, soaking in the remainder of this week. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Does that sound like today? Oh, my goodness. I can't, I, you know, if, if any of you have Fox News on your phone, and I, some, it's easier for me to just check in on some news. I like to keep up to the days. And I can just go, my phone has this, you click on the Fox thing, and boom, I got all, more news than I want. And it's not good news. Where's the good news channel? I want the good news channel, right? It's always bad stuff. But it's amazing as you click into that, and then you'll read this story, whatever it might be, and the ones that are most interested in most, many times is how God is maybe working in the lives of someone. Okay, there's a kind of a religious slant, if you will, under that, that heading. And it's amazing to me how much time is taken by those that are atheists or agnostics to, to take time to try to blow apart those that perceive God as being real, personal, and truthful. Now, my point again is this. If you're an atheist... That's believing that there is no possibility of a God. We know there is no God. That's really what an atheist is saying. Then why in heaven's name would you want to waste your time by telling someone else that doesn't believe what you believe that there's no God? Why would you waste one second of your life? Because they know there's a God. Exactly. That's what I thought. Why would you burn a Bible That I can't answer, but to God, let's keep going. I, do you see how I get off track? This is, is so rich. Verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The only thing I can say about a reprobate mind is a mind that cannot think properly. I think there's some of that going on right now. There's some people that right now think that to defund police, to be lawless, anarchists, to be looters and robbers and stealers and takers, that that's okay. That's not right. You are not processing information properly. You can't do it. And yet, that's exactly what's taking place. That's exactly what's taking place. God, and, I'm sorry? A mind void of, void of judgment. Now, think of this. And literally what, what we've said now is to separate truth and God. When you do that, you really cannot make a judgment decision. It's impossible. Because, and that's why today postmodernism is so popular. Well, let's forget about God. Yes, we couldn't do that. We couldn't prove truth without God. So let's forget about truth. So no one has any truth. Nobody has any fiction or a foundation. Nobody has nothing. And you know what? That is one of the most dangerous places for, for, for us to be. Is it not? How do you make a choice without truth in God? It's impossible. It's literally impossible. They're joined together, truth and God. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Let's go to Deuteronomy. See if you can find that back in the Old Testament. Chapter 32. Deuteronomy, chapter 32. Let's watch how even Jehovah, or God the Father, is depicted for us. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Strong words here. Moses is speaking this to the congregation of Israel. And it says in verse 4, we're just popping in here. He, speaking of God, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Flip over to Psalm chapter 31. Psalm chapter 31, verse 5. 
Psalm 31, 5. Psalm 31, 5. The Psalm of David, the man that was set after God's own heart. Verse 5, what did I tell you? Yeah, verse 5, chapter 31 of Psalm. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Truth. Truth is measured by the word of God. Now, God is the author, the source, the determiner, and the final judge of all truth. That's why you cannot separate truth from God. Now, truth, let's talk about that. We've talked about things that it's... Actually, we haven't yet. We haven't even talked about what truth isn't. Sometimes it makes it truth clearer if we say what it isn't. So let's talk about what truth isn't. Are you all ready? Let me see if I can find my notes in regards to that. Oh, here we go. Truth is not... Have you ever had this said to you, well, the ends justify the means. In other words, two, two wrongs can make a right if we end up in the right spot. No. Truth is not pragmatic. Truth works on truth and truth alone. It's not whatever works. Have you heard that? Whatever that's not, that's not truth, is it? Truth is not pragmatism. It's not whatever works. It's not the ends justify the means. Truth is not simply what is understandable. What do I mean by that? In other words, do you remember when Jesus Christ was crucified and he was taken off the cross, he was dead, he was buried, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, they were concerned about something, very concerned about something. What was that? They said, they, yeah, they went to the Romans, they went to Pilate and said, would you guard his tomb? Because we're concerned that the disciples will go and take his body and say that he rose from the dead, because he said that. As crazy as it sounds, we're concerned about, and what did, what, did Pilate, what did Pilate say? Just guard it yourself. Well, guess what happened? He rose again. The truth is there. We can talk, in fact, let's talk just for a little parenthesis right now. That's one of the reasons I'm standing before you today. If I did not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I would not be here. Because if Jesus Christ could not conquer death, that means he lied. Because he said he would rise again. And if he couldn't do that, then he lied. And if he lied once, he's going to lie forever. I can't use that kind of a God. And how do I know he rose from the dead? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about the fact that he'd appeared to 500 people. And when that was written, 1 Corinthians, those 500 people, more than likely, most of them were still alive. So guess what would have happened? There would have been a rebuttal to say, we didn't see him. But there was none, which proves they did see him. His half-brother, James. How would you like to have grown up in Jesus' family? How many have brothers and sisters? Most everybody of us did, right? How many of you were saints? In other words, you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, good job. I like that. Somebody raised their hand. Thank you. Should I check with your sister? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. But I'm going to tell you something. In Jesus' family, how would have you liked to have been his brother? No way. Because no way, Mary, their mother, would have said, okay, which one did that? I know it wasn't Jesus. Because he never did anything wrong, right? 
oh, Jesus, Jesus, right? You could just see it. Can you imagine James? You know, he's the old, he's actually, it's always Jesus, right? In fact, in fact, we could go to the scripture, we'll not take time today, but literally his family did not believe in him. They did not believe that he was who he said he was. They watched the miracles, and they just in scorn left. But you know what? In fact, let's do this. This is not in my notes, but I think it's really, it's really strong in the sense of truth. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. I hope I'm right. If not, we'll find it. That's how we are. 1 Corinthians, and let's go to chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's start with probably the most simple and concise depiction of the gospel. The gospel is good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He rose again. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Paul saying, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep or some have passed away. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the disciples, of all the apostles. Now, James is his half-brother. And it was that, I'm convinced, when he saw Jesus, his half-brother, appear to him after he knew that he was crucified and dead and in the tomb. When he appeared to him, that has a way of convincing you. In fact, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. And literally, he was one of the first apostles, the, fir the first followers of Jesus, I'll say it that way, that was martyred. He lost his life very early on. Now, when's the last time that you can think of someone that would lay their life down for a lie? If, I know, if, if Paul knows that I'm a fraud, and he, he has the opportunity to say, okay, Paul, you either believe that Larry was a fraud, you just say that, and you walk away. Or, if you're going to stand by and say he really lived a true life, then you're going to give up your life. That's easy, isn't it? That's what they said, all of the apostles. Every single one of them, with the exception of Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed him, he killed himself. There was a suicide there. You talk about no hope. After you've betrayed the Son of God, the Messiah, ay ay ay, right? And the only other one that didn't die a martyr's death was John the Apostle who wrote the gospel we're looking at right now. And literally, I'm going to tell you something. God miraculously intervened there. The, the history that we have, the historical events tell us that one of the Nero's dropped John the Apostle into a hot, boiling cauldron of oil, and nothing happened. And so what did he do then? He says, I can't deal with him, and he ships him off to the Isle of Patmos, which is an island, and there was no one else on it. And he said, I'm going to just get him out of our way. And you know what John did? Because God just gave him the words. He wrote the book of Revelation. Isn't that awesome? You can't undo what God's got going. But let me, I got off track again. That's easy for me, right, Paul? That's right. Anyway, take the other disciples. Every single one of them gave their life in the sense of martyrdom. And you would not do that if you had not seen Jesus Christ raised from the dead. You wouldn't do that. That's why I'm standing before you today with confidence, is I believe that. If I didn't believe it, you couldn't get me in here. 
because he couldn't have, then what he said he did didn't happen. That means he couldn't have, God was not satisfied with the sacrifice. He could have not been satisfactory in the sense of paying for my sin. And if it's not enough, he'd be just like Buddha and Muhammad and Hare Krishna. I think he's dead, isn't he? If he isn't, he's going to be. And you know what? They lie in state. They're there. No one has risen from the dead except for Jesus Christ. Okay, back to truth. He said, boy, we got off track. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Okay, let's look at what truth is not. Let's just review because we've been back away from it for a little while. Uh, truth is not whatever works or pragmatism. Truth is not what is simply understandable. And, you know, I didn't even finish that one. Did you see how we haven't gotten anywhere in this study today? Let me stop. Now, what we were talking about was the resurrection. So here we got these guys that were guarding the tomb, right? The, the chief priests were paying them. You keep that tomb secure because I know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. That liar came to us and said, you know what? I'm going to rise again the third day. I want you to mark and watch that tomb because those disciples will come and steal it. And, oh, for goodness sakes, if you think we had trouble with Jesus, can you imagine if they said that he rose from the dead? Oh, my goodness. So they watched it, and they guarded it. And you know what happened? Boom, he's gone, and the stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to get out. In other words, Jesus was not, hey, let me out of here. No, 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 a thousand times no. The, the stone was rolled away so we could see he was gone. And, you know, they all got together. They all got together and told the same story. This is what I'm talking about. A conspiracy, in other words, a group of people getting together to tell the same story that it sounds and it is exactly the same, does not make it true. Just because there's a group that says it happened doesn't mean that it's true. That was one example. Now, truth is not what makes people feel good. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer, isn't it? Bad news can be true. It was like yesterday. We had an opportunity for a little bit of bad news. We were chopping silage over Dylan, going along, and out of the blue, I called the guy that's packing the silage, Jade. I don't even know why. I said, Jade, how's this going? He says, Larry, it's going really good for me, but you should probably call your son. Silence. I don't know what he's talking about, right? Right? I don't know what he's talking about. Well, unfortunately, the truck raised up, and he could feel it go over, so he put it in and still rolled the truck on its side in the silage pile. Yeah, everybody's good. Truck's not quite as good as it was. But here's the deal. I even thought of another one. I never did see it. There were some pictures taken. None of them were sent to me. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good, that's a good thing. So now I could have been in denial by the way truth. If I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Right? How many times have you heard that? I think of the Quaker and the uh, atheist. I'm hoping I get this right. This is a joke I heard a long time ago, but it just popped in my head. If I'm, hopefully I get it all right. The, the atheist says, how do you know you have a brain? Have you ever seen your brain? Have you ever smelled your brain? Have you ever tasted your brain? And the Quaker, this is not going to go as well as I thought, because I forgot the punchline. <laughs> I'm going to get back on that one with you, Okay. I'm going to finish the joke. Have you ever had somebody set it up? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have it, so it's going to come back, and I'm going to give it to you later because it is hilarious. Okay? <laughs> Wasn't that good? Wait for the joke to finish, okay? But let's
let's go back. Is this not see see how funny it is? You guys are laughing. All, it's really good. It's really good. We all go in there. It's okay. Yeah. Actually, what I did is I gave. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> that worked too. It worked too. And I. I am going to get back to you on that one because it's really good. It's really good. You, you're going to believe me? Okay. Let's move on, though. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, so I didn't see the truck roll over, so that means it didn't happen. Right? In your brain, Right? Right? Say right. You guys, right? No, you're wrong. Because I didn't have to be there for it to happen. Reality doesn't require me to see it. It doesn't require it. I never did see it, which is great. Because he got rolled back up and went down to the repair shop, and it's there waiting for tomorrow morning. Did it happen because I wasn't there? Yeah, it did. <laughs> you know what? You know what? But but here's the deal again. The bottom line was what? He wasn't hurt. No one was hurt. That's what's important. That's what that yellow truck. That yellow truck can tell a story. That's the third time I know of, and I saved Kurt from tipping over the fourth time. Four times, literally, that truck just about, or it has went over. One time, the wind got it. That hit hard. That was Larissa. She didn't want to ever get in a truck again, ever. And I think Tony had it the second time. Anyway, we're way off topic, except to say, truth doesn't necessarily make us feel good. Bad news can be true. Now, isn't that exactly what you'd want, though? I did a funeral for a young girl, 26, 27 years of age. And one of the things I visit with the family was this. She, I, 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 when I visit with the family, I want to know what they like, what they don't like, all of this. I want to get his, just tell me what, tell me what, what she or he was like. Because I, I want to do, I want to know that. I want to express that to the people, giving hope, consolation. They said one of the things that she absolutely hated was when somebody lied to her. I'm the same way. Give it to me bad. Don't tell me anything that's untrue. I want to know the truth. Because we can work with the truth. We can work with the truth. If it's bad, let me know. That's why God doesn't, he, in the Bible, the word of God, the truth, he tells us we're sinners. I'm glad he told me a sinner and he didn't sugarcoat it. I'm glad he also told me that Jesus Christ died for my sin. That there was a way that victory was won. And literally, he's offering free grace that is God's gift at Jesus Christ's expense that I can freely receive and I whip my sin problem. And I didn't do it. It was because it was a gift. That's good news. But I want the bad news to be able to know the good news. Because if I don't even know if I'm a sinner, how would I possibly know I need a Savior? See, that's the beauty of truth. Truth can be bad news. Yeah, John chapter 8, 32. Now, here's another one that truth is not. Truth is not necessarily what the majority says. Just because if I took, if I took a, uh, a poll right here today and I said, I just asked a question, and more than 50% 50 of you agreed with one side of that, does that make it true? No. That's funny for me today in a democracy in the United States of America. It's like we take a poll and whoever has the highest percentage of it, they must be right. No. 
No, in fact, when those, remember those 12 spies that went into the land to check it out, the land of Israel, that, or the land of uh, Canaan that God had given to them, uh, the vote was 10 to 2. 10 voted against going in, and 2 said, let's go, we can get it because God's on our side. The 10 were wrong. I'm afraid to say now the majority of the United States anymore, on, especially on moral issues, are wrong. It has nothing to do with truth. Majority voting doesn't have anything to do with truth. Uh, truth is not necessarily defined by what is intended. Good intentions may still be very wrong. Truth is not how we know, it's what we know. We've talked about this already, but truth is not simply what is believed. <laughs> if you believe a lie, just because you believe it, doesn't change it to truth. Or think of how many times you say it. We have news media today that just continues to say a lie over and over and over and over and over. And if you say it a million times, apparently, then it becomes truth. No. It may be believed, but it doesn't make it true. It's very true. Um, oh, and truth is not how we know. It's what we know. It's what we know. Now, it can even be uh, truth is not necessarily publicly proven. Again, so the public says that, think, think of this for a second. Just think of a buried treasure. Someone's calling me to report a, a buried treasure. That must be important. It's the same guy, but we'll have to get back with him later. So let's say Bill knows where there's buried treasure. And the rest of you say there's no buried treasure anywhere. But Bill can go to that site, and he produces it. You see what I'm saying? Truth is not necessarily by the contingency of the whole group that determines it. It can be true from an exclusivity of just one person, if they know. Do you, do you know where that's at? <laughs> you should see the twinkle in his eye. He knows something we don't know. Claro, pero you don't know where Exactly right. <laughs> It's interesting that even the word truth, the word truth in the Greek, it means to unhide, hiding nothing. It's literally as real reality is. Truth is what corresponds to reality. You know, yesterday as that truck turned over, it met reality. If I would have went over and looked at the truck and said, huh, something happened here. I wonder what it was. And the truth fits the reality. That's exactly what truth does. It fits reality. It's almost like creation. As you, you, know, you start to look at all the things that we weren't there to see, I think of creation. Creation fits the model of what's described and what happened. The design fits perfectly of a designer. The other thing is truth is it's which matches its object. Truth matches its object. Let's talk about this for a moment. Let's say that uh, we have two people and they're both um, they're on medication. And one requires 200 milligrams, but 200 milligrams does not have the same effect than the second one. And you say, wait a minute, are you telling me that truth is relative? In other words, it depends on the person. Oh, no, no, no. Truth is absolutely, um, let me, I can't, just a second, look for the right word. The truth is what matches the individual. In other words, let's share, 
200 milligrams of what? Uh, lisinopril. That's a high blood pressure medicine. I don't know if 200 milligrams kills you or doesn't, but just, for, just work with me. Okay? <laughs> 200 milligrams fits Paul. But if I told Bill, you've got to take 200 milligrams without having a doctor check that, that could be fatal. The truth for him on that fits his reality. You may be very different, but it still fits the person. Not relative, it fits objectively to its object. Truth is just telling it like it is. Telling it like it is. Now, how much of that is being done today? Just telling it like it is. You watch a news program lately? Take CNN for a moment. That's hard to watch for me, but CNN versus Fox, and I'm not trying to make them, but you can't even... How do you come to the same conclusion? Yeah. They will say it's true. Different viewpoints. It doesn't even make any sense. Just tell it as it is. That's one of the things I want to see, is show me what reality is really going. What is really happening here? What is happening? You think of the inner cities of Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis, and you look at the horrible destruction and death and all of that taking place, and someone says, it's just peaceful protesting. That's a lie. Because reality does not show that. It doesn't show that. Truth is literally the self-expression of God himself. Let's go to, where did I leave you? In 1 Corinthians, let's go back to John for a moment. John chapter 17. John 17. John 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples. For those, actually, he's even praying for you if you've come to know Jesus Christ in this high priestly prayer. Verse 15, we'll even start there. John 17, 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. I'm thinking that's in the time frame we're living right now. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, I'm glad that Jesus prayed that prayer. We're being protected, but we're not being taken out of the world. Would it be insulated, not isolated? You know the difference? I mean, right today, we need a bright light in this crazy dark world. Oh, my goodness, right? Salt and light. We talked about what Jesus even said there. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Watch verse 17. Sanctify, purify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How do you grow, even intellectually or educationally, whatever it is, how is the only way that you literally can grow in, or if, say you've got a career, let's say in agriculture, or anything for that matter. Banking, car salesman, electrician, you name it, plumber. And and studying what? The truth. Studying the truth. Because you don't want to study the lie. I want to know the truth. That's just, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but even like a a bank teller. And and they're going to be, you know, once, once in a great while, they'll probably be handling counterfeit money. Okay. I'm sure that most of the time your tellers are not given a whole lot of different counterfeit money to know what counterfeit money feels like. No, 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 no. They deal with the real stuff. And then when the counterfeit hits you, boom, you know it immediately. That's why we just study the truth. And the error, the falsities, all of those things that are untrue, they just stick out. Because the truth sets you free. It's exactly, isn't that exactly what, what truth is about? The more that you study truth, 
the clearer it becomes the sense of what's untrue sticks out. Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter six. Verses twenty and twenty one. First Timothy chapter six, verse twenty says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. What is he telling to do? Stay with the truth. Stay with the truth. One of the things that has taken place over the last number of years, even modernism, which would have been prior to our postmodernism, was a sense as they would, they, even and today there's a side of it, where we're letting science prove what is true. If, in other words, if you can't, if science can't prove what is true, then it's not true. The problem is, is science can't prove everything. There's a whole lot of things that science cannot prove. And think of this again. God and truth cannot be separated. God is the author of truth. You take God away from it, truth can't exist. And the more they've tried to do that, the less confident they've been in describing truth. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. Oh, I know. You want me to finish the joke now? I got it all messed up. So I've got to start over. What you have to do now is you have to erase what you've heard. Okay? Okay? We're going to try one. You go, are you going to be able to do that, Paul? You're going to be able. You, it's an Amish, right? It's a Quaker. Wait, no, no it's, a, it's a Quaker. It's a Quaker. No, I got that. The, the parties I got right. What I got messed up was what you got to erase. Okay, you got to, you got to, you got to erase that. Okay. So the atheist says to the Quaker, he says, "How do you know there's a God? You ever seen God? You ever tasted God?" You ever smelled God? Quaker's just sitting here, he's not saying anything. And you know, the atheist is, huh, see, there's no God. And that's when the Quaker says to the atheist, Have you ever tasted your brain? Have you ever seen your brain? Have you ever smelled your brain? How do you know you have a brain? Isn't that true? Spot on. Spot on. That's exactly right. Just because we have to see it or hear it doesn't make it so. The Quaker went home the winner on that one. You guys weren't able to to review all that. It was too... I gave the wrong stuff away at the wrong time. (laughs) You ever done with a joke? Yes, you have. (laughs) But it's depicting of who God really is. Where did I take you? Second Peter? Second Peter chapter 1, 
Let's look at verses 19 through 21. 19 through 20, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All scripture is given from the inspiration of God. We, someone else mentioned this just a moment. Actually, if you're in 2 Peter, uh, did I take you to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3? No, I didn't. Let's go there for a moment. It's speaking about those in the last days. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. You're already there. 2 Peter 3, 3. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. What do you think? Is the Bible pertinent? How many scoffers are walking around today? It's crazy. Those that are scoffing and skeptics. That's an interesting thing. To be a skeptic. They want you not to trust in anything. They want you to disbelieve everything. So should you believe them? You really shouldn't believe them because they're asking you not to. Because they've just told you not to believe anything that's out there. So therefore you shouldn't believe what they've just told you. That's what a skeptic is, right? Wow, that's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Let's go back to what Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 32. John chapter 8, let's go back there for a moment, because we're going to, in the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what the truth, the one that they were putting on trial. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said to the Jews in verse 31, John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What an awesome opportunity for God to reveal to those disciples that the truth shall set you free. Is that not true? When you know truth, you're free. You are free, and you don't have to look for truth anywhere else. Truth originates from God. I, 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 couldn't, I can't really even imagine on that early morning, and Jesus is in his fourth trial already out of six. And by 9 a.m., he would be hanging on a cross. The evening before, he would have been gathered with his 11 disciples, 12 for a bit until Judas took off. And then literally, by 9 o'clock the next morning, he was hanging on a cross. John chapter 18, where we started today, Pilate thought that Jesus was on trial, but literally everyone else was on trial. The truth, which Jesus called, oh, let's go there for a second. John chapter 14. Maybe some of your favorite verses are right here. John chapter 14, uh, verse 6. You want to know how to get to God? Jesus makes it very clear. John chapter 14 and verse 6 says this. Jesus saith... I'm sorry. Let's, let's step, take a step back. Let's start at verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. Now, he's talking about his departure. 
That's what he's been doing now in just the, pre the verses previous in chapter 32, uh, chapter 13, I'm sorry. And what, do you, what would be happening now? Let's say that you're gathered up and here's disciples. You've been following around for three years. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking this way. Um, okay, guys, listen now. I'm going to depart. I'm going to leave. You guys are going to be here, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to leave you. Oh, you, you know, whoa, 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 time out. What, what, what do you mean, leave us? I, I, what part of, what? Well, no, it's important, because I have to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. We don't, we don't want any of that. We want you, because we want to get out from underneath the Roman's thumb, because they hate us, they're taking advantage of us, they're beating us up, they're... <laughs> you're our guy. You're the one we've been voting for. We've been waiting for. We've been traveling around for three years, hoping that someday you would get this done, and we would be in your cabinet, and things would be awesome, and the Romans get blasted away, and we become forever in the kingdom of God. That's what we're... Right? Isn't that right? Right, Jesus? Right? No. No, I'm going to leave you. You're going to leave us. They, they just can't handle that. So not watch. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 1. He says this, Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, relax. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, one of the disciples, saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether you go, and how can we know the way? In other words, he wants to follow him. If Jesus is going to leave, I want to go with you. And watch what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is a very exclusive verse. It does not say a way. It does not say a truth. It does not say a life. It is the way, truth, and life. Very exclusive. Now, do you remember what I asked you to remember way back when we started? Let me set it up. and You, you guys are laughing. Now, how could we remember all that stuff? You even told us you were erased, part of the stupid joke you tried to tell us, right? And now you want us to remember? Let's go back to something. Remember when we read in chapter 18 of John? Why is he there? He's there because the Jews want to kill him. The scribes and the Pharisees, they want, to, they want him killed. Do you remember one time when they were trying to push him off a cliff? They wanted to stone him? Why didn't they go to the Romans then? They would have killed him right then. I could go to those scriptures and it says, they picked up stones to stone him when he said, I am who I am. He basically declared that I was equal with God. They didn't go for that much. They were ready to stone him. Wait a minute. Well, how come they didn't have to have the Romans to kill him then? That's a little odd, isn't it? This is, must be a very important call. It's the third time. <laughs> That's odd, isn't it? But it's very clear that they had three trials to prove him worthy of death. They take him to the Gentile court to Pilate so that they could get permission to kill him. Let's go back to our verse. John 18, and let's go here. And you'll remember it when I ask you to. John chapter 18, and it says this, verse 31. Then said Pilate unto them, Take you him, and judge him according to your law. In other words, get out of my way. I don't want to mess with you people. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Well, why is that important now? Watch verse 32. 
that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he should die. Let's go back to chapter 12, same book, John chapter 12. Let's look at verse 32. Verse 32. And I, John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He's speaking about the sense of crucifixion. If you go back to John chapter 8, just turn back a couple more chapters. John chapter 8, and let's look at, I've got to find this now. 30, is it 38? Oh, where did I have that? No, John 8, 28. John 8, 28. Watch this. Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He's speaking of his crucifixion. He is literally prophesying that he would die at the hands of the Romans. Why did those people drag him before the Romans? Because Jesus said that's the way it would happen. If that had not happened, that makes him a liar. And if he lied once, he could lie again. Do you see the significance of how important truth is in God's word? That's why Jesus' accusers took him to the Romans. Because if they, could, they tried to kill him before him. And he said, no. He said, when I'm lifted up, when I'm crucified, when I'm basically at the hands of the Romans, then you will know who I am. That's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Again, his truthfulness displayed on high. Now, what we would like to do for the next several weeks is we have examined, literally, and have tied it back to the truth. And who is the truth? Pilate asked, what is truth? He should have asked, who is truth? Jesus is the truth. There's seven statements that Jesus makes about who he was. In other words, I want to know now, what does the truth, who they placed on trial, and he literally had them on trial. In fact, there's a, there was a, a story of a Frenchman um, who had a visitor from the country in Paris. And he took, them, he took them to the Louvre. My goodness sakes. Somebody else now. Have you ever heard of the Louvre? I know as a child I looked at it and it says the Lorve, right? It's L-O-U-R-V-E, but it's the Louvre. Have anyone ever went there? Really? How, how, how awesome was it? It's pretty neat, isn't it? Super, I mean, it's real. Lots of art, lots of majestic artifacts. I mean, it's, I've not had the opportunity, but I've, I've, I've read about it. To access some of them, that's pretty cool. I like it. Well, anyway, this, this resident of Paris took this visitor from the country to the Louvre, and not only that, took him to a symphony hall to listen to an orchestra play some magnificent music. And at the end of the day, this guest says to his host, you know, in all honesty, it really wasn't that good. It wasn't that impressive. The host's response was this. He says, they weren't on trial. You were. That's exactly what's happening with truth. Truth is not on trial. We are. 
how do you respond to truth? So what we want to do over the next several weeks is we want to see Jesus, who is the truth. That's who truth is. He makes several statements. I'm going to just run them by, and we find them all in John, and we're going to look at them one at a time. We find the first one in chapter 6 of John. We're just going to review them today. We're, no, don't, don't, get, don't get depressed. We're not going to go through them today. We're going to set it up. John chapter 6 says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8 says, I am the light of the world. Later on in chapter 10, it says, I am the gate. Chapter 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, I am the resurrection, the life. John 14, which we've looked at, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 15 says, I am the true vine. And for the truth to say, I am, what's the significance of that? Because we want to know what the truth is trying to give to us as the recipients of truth helping us to understand what he wanted us to know. That's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks. Isn't it, Matt? What do you know about the number seven in Scripture? Completion. Fulfilled. Jesus would have been fulfilling all that he was in the sense of truth. Truth, truth, truth. Truth matters today. They talk about a lot of things mattering. I'm going to tell you something. Truth matters. Jesus matters. And you matter. We'll finish with one more verse in Hebrews chapter 1. This is what really God did in the sense of sending Jesus Christ to us. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in divers manners, various manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, but whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of... I'm sorry, by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is so rich and so unbelievably full with truth. It blows my mind. All that God wanted us to understand, he allowed his son to come and to lay out. It was he that made the worlds. It's he that holds things together by the word of his power. And he is now sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. The I am the one that was crucified for our sins. The one that stood is standing for us as our defense attorney, holding up truth, holding us in his hand. We have much to be thankful for. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank, thank you for this opportunity that we've had to look to the word of God, to look to truth. And Father, with each one that's here today, we would ask in the very inner portions of their mind that you would unfold for them, helping them even asking questions that allow them to see truth, seeing you, the connection of truth and you, Father. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for the truth that was unveiled on what would have been a terrible day to those that were looking on, and yet, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus endured the cross with joy, knowing what would happen, to regain what was lost. And Father, today there are men and women across this globe that do not know you personally, and that Jesus died for them, and literally accepting the free gift of grace, accepting what you have laid out and given, 
through Jesus, accepting that, they become brand new. When they say, Father God, I can't do anything about my sin problem. Wages of sin is death, for all have sinned, yet have come short of the glory of God. Father God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I trust the gift of Jesus Christ. I trust in him. And we open our hearts and we receive that. We repent of our sins. Something takes place. It tells us that we are justified. We are declared not guilty anymore. We are no longer under any condemnation. That this Holy Spirit comes to live within us. He dwells there. Not for a period of time, but forever. He's there until the day of redemption, literally, to be eternally joined with you, Father, in heaven. Father, then begins our walk, our daily walk of unfolding truth, which the Holy Spirit gives to us. Father, what a gift you have given to us. We pray for you to uphold, uplift, protect, guide. Give us wisdom, Father, for the week before us. Help us to see you more clearly than we have ever seen you. Father, I pray for those as they go out into the world, the miles that they will be going and who knows what direction. Father, you would go with them. Prepare them for their tasks. Father, the life's journey that you have them on, you have designed for them. Help us to put on the full armor of God. The belt of truth. Just think of that in chapter 6, verse 18 of Ephesians. That holds everything together, Father, as we talked about truth. Next week as we unpack and unfold... What Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What did he mean by that? The truth revealing further what he was to those that he came to save and to seek that was lost. Father, take us and use us. Encourage us. Hold us. We glorify you through praising your Son. And in whose name we pray. Amen.